Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hey, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Arthur Richardson. I have with me Colton Jones, as always. And we're glad to have you back. Guess what? It's episode 100. What yeah. up? We made it, guys. We made it. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I was going to make a joke about it being like the last episode, but I'm like, nah. Nah, not today. No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> yeah, 100 episodes, man. That's, that's quite a lot of episodes to make for a podcast. And yeah. We were talking, and I know that the average... Uh, the average number of episodes for a podcast that people launch is eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're well past that point. I think it's safe to say we are, which is impressive. I mean, especially since we're, you know, just doing this for fun. You know. Yeah. So Colton, it's been it's been a pleasure. You know, doing hundred episodes with you. I uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Hanging out with you and talking with you this much. I'm glad that you are my friend and I'm not stuck with somebody I don't like talking to. Uh, <laughs> we would not have gotten to 100 episodes. That's no, we we wouldn't. Um, yeah, I am replacing you with Corey. Uh, I'm kidding. Wait, hold on. That's <laughs> to me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, anyway, just joking. Just joking. But without further ado, let's let's hop into... Let's hop into the scriptures that we were kind of talking about beforehand. Um, all right, so uh, I've been reading from the Wisdom of Ben Sarah or Sirach uh, recently, and it's been speaking to my heart a lot. It's been changing me, challenging me in a lot of ways, uh, reminding me of a love that I've had, you know, uh, helping me get past maybe some of the sufferings I've had, um, and helping me maybe have a deeper understanding of them. Uh, The passage that really struck my heart uh, recently was uh, chapter 4, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 17. And it goes like this. I will walk with them in disguise, and at first I will test them with trials. Fear and dread I will bring upon them, and I will discipline them with my constraints. When their hearts are fully with me, then I will set them again again on the straight path and reveal my secrets to them. But if they turn away from me, I will abandon them and deliver them over to the robbers. So right off the bat, my gut reaction to that is one of just... God walking with me in disguise. So he said it, he set before me a trial, but he hasn't abandoned me in it. That's the first thing that I'm kind of reflecting on, um, that I haven't been abandoned. But more so, uh, within this book, there's the, the passage of like being refined by fire, you know, um, the gold being refined by fire. He's doing this for the purpose of when their hearts are fully with me, when their hearts are fully mine. 
I think that's that's the main goal that he's that God is working towards. Whenever we are led, whenever we're led in disguise by God into trials and tribulations, into the fire, right? Yeah. Colton, do you have any thoughts right off the bat with that? Yeah, my thoughts. Um, how God said He would be among them hidden. If I'm if, if I'm not mistaken, it said He said that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that that's the position He decides to take when He's testing, when He's supplying trials and disciplines, that He's among them in that way. I don't know. That's just. That's that's one thing that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Made me made me really think. Yeah, there's definitely maturity of perspective. One from essentially assuming that God has abandoned to one of being able to recognize God is still there, slightly hiding. He's in disguise, right? So he's not like hiding outright like behind a corner but is veiled is covered you know god is more or less laying out his plan with the israelites you know he's he said i'm going to teach them by the disciplines Mm -hmm. and in paraphrasing it's more or less like in hopes that they take on and actually learn in their hearts yeah you know uh the the spirit of those disciplines And, you know, I don't know how, because this is the book of Sirach for others uh, who who don't know it as Ben Sirach. Um, I don't know how long before Christ this was written, but the history of Israel is old. You know, God, God worked with them for thousands of years. And it was the same story. They wanted laws, strict things to govern them, gave them the commandments. They said, you know, no, we need something more. We need a king, gave them a king. And uh, then they started piling on more laws and more laws and more laws. And uh, it's like the, the, the yoke of that law got, got heavier and heavier on their shoulders. Um, and God repeatedly told them, like, more or less, I don't desire sacrifice. I want your contrite heart. You know, he, he was he was after the heart. And uh, it just it just shocks me, but also is really hopeful. It gives me hope to think that like God was so patient with a nation of people who were generations upon generations of of people who were close to the heart of God and they were stubborn as all get out. And Mm -hmm. when I recognize that pattern in myself, then realize that God himself came to them in the person of Christ as, you know, the, the, the bridegroom, you know, that, that Isaiah talked about as, as the, as a, as a bridegroom desires to marry his bride. So I desire to marry you. And then he came and actually did that. He put his money where his mouth is actually did it and to think that that could be you know his working in my life too because i know and identify with that that 
um, that struggle of wrestling with God, wrestling with my own desires, uh, both the desire of, you know, the Holy Spirit within me to grow in closeness and sanctity and love of God, but also the desires of the flesh within me uh, that are that are disordered and everything. Mm-hmm. And to see that God himself broke through regardless of Israel's um, disobedience and all this stuff, to think that he can work that way in me is just what I'm reminded of. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It it reminds me also of um as you were reading that earlier when we were discussing what we were going to be talking about, it reminded me of the this reading this this scripture from Ezekiel. This is from uh Ezekiel 36. Yeah, so here God says I shall remove the heart of stone within your bodies and give you a heart of flesh instead. I shall put my spirit in you and make you keep my laws and sincerely respect my observances. And he's talking to them in both the language that they understood about law. You know, they, they wanted to keep the law of God because they recognized that the only way that they can properly relate to being, to living, to life is through actually being in right relationship with the life giver. And they saw that as living by a code of conduct, a set of laws. Um, But this is him saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to write, I'm going to give you a heart that desires the good instead of just these, these commandments that are written down on tablets and in scrolls and all of these things the the word of the law is not going to be written on paper but on your heart and um in in essence it loses its power or its its weight if it's what we desire within ourselves because the law itself is only suppressive to us if our relationship to god is disordered and um yeah that's that's kind of where my mind went i i love absolutely love that passage from uh, ezekiel because anything that mentions god's uh relationship to the heart of his people and to the heart of the individual mm-hmm. that just speaks to me i've talked about this with regards to song of songs oh, that's like my favorite my favorite book out of scripture mm-hmm. yeah that's that's where my mind goes yeah yeah, I dig it. Um, you had mentioned you mentioned like whenever your heart is dis has disordered desires. I think there, uh, I think there's a lot of connotation with that, right? There's been a lot of um, maybe accusation with that word, um, and so it seems fairly extreme. Where I don't think it's quite that extreme. I think it's literally like if you parse it down, like within the disordered, like out of order, you know, you'll find that there, that, that's, it's not quite as extreme as we usually think it is. You can think of disordered as like disoriented, doesn't have the, the definitive direction it should be pointing. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, one way to look at that is like when in our everyday life we are 
putting too much emphasis maybe on what we do on the day to day over our call to love God, right? Or and neighbor, right? There have been many times in my life where I focused too much on my ministry or what I did with as a job over, you know, even that call to holiness, right? Like I almost like paired them, you know, kind of similar to what I was saying with like with those desires and wants and how I, I paired those desires and wants with God, that if God loves me, he'll give me X, Y, or Z, um, you know, children, money, whatever it is. You know, like the normal things that like can often be read and understood in scripture, right, as blessing, but making it conditional. I did the same thing with what I understood as my calling in life, right? My purpose, my mission in life. I had a disordered view of what that looked like, and it le- led to a lot of anxiety and and like pressure that I put on myself and performance anxiety and things like that. You know, uh, so having disordered desire, I think, is honestly fairly common because I think it leads to a lot of anxiety. That's my personal opinion, but. Whenever I reflect on that, that the concept of um, disordered desire, um, I mean, we're we're obviously taken back to the idea of um, sinfulness and our apparent, or I mean, our 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 struggle with this sort of spiritual entropy. We always have this uh, inclination at the present to become spiritually disordered mm-hmm. uh, that's that's like that, that's kind of like the, the the thing that happens uh some call it original sin it's the effects of original sin um it's what it is and a, a scripture passage i was given for a penance recently and also uh was read at mass this past sunday was from galatians 5 uh, and I think it shed a bit of light on the struggle between that those different those differing factions within yourself. You know that which you know is good, you do desire it, but you find it really difficult. Like Paul says himself, "I, I desire what is good, but I do what is wrong." Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says in Galatians uh, five, it says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit." And do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you would. And that was something I had to grapple with a little bit in understanding uh, what he meant, and what was meant by the spirit and by the flesh. And did that mean that the Holy Spirit is opposed to my body? I mean, that's at least how I understood the word flesh to mean is just like the, 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 the physical aspect of my person. But um, the word flesh, and I think we've talked about this maybe before. I'm sure we have. We've had 100 episodes. We've I'm sure we have. That. So uh, flesh, as I've come to understand it, and as I know that it's meant to be, is, it's the representation of those disordered desires or that inclination to become disordered in one's desires 
and uh although it is tied to the body in a sense it is not uh strictly referencing the body itself as the source of this desire of this um sin and whenever he's referencing the spirit he's referencing the holy spirit which is the spirit of god like was talked about in ezekiel when god said i will put my spirit within you now that the spirit dwells within us the pronounced there, there's a sort of pronounced battle between the desire for the desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh or of sin of concupiscence or whatever you want to call it <laughs> the fancy word we've developed for it still the same thing um and he's urging the galatians in this point to just like just live in the spirit walk by the spirit um and he, he's urging it also against in this passage like do not take on the law the jewish law because back then they had to deal with uh people who were converting first to judaism and then to christianity and stuff like that so they were taking on the jewish law before they went and uh followed christ and paul himself who was a pharisee you know uh, was was very well learned and uh was sort of like a doctor of the sacred scriptures uh in the jewish tradition was just like this is paul telling you this do not put the yoke of slavery he calls it which he's referring to the law you don't 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 put the yoke of slavery on your shoulders he says uh, now i paul tell you uh oh sorry he says for freedom christ has set us free stand fast therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery of course referring to sin but to the law because through the law that's where the weight of sin comes um and he's urging them by living in the spirit you are set free from the law but you have the responsibility of following the spirit and the spirit is not contradicting the law so yeah absolutely and i think there's there's a truth that's like underlining that i would like to kind of talk about with you a bit and that is simply put humanity cannot reach and obtain heaven on its own mm -hmm. no matter how hard i try no matter how perfect i try to be like whatever rules i set up for myself whatever moral regulations i set for myself if they are consistent and wholly good i will fail at some point right and that condemns me however if i'm relying on the goodness of the one who created goodness and mercy to live within me and live within me then the actions and the desire to choose good comes a little bit easier but more importantly when i fail i'm not condemned Right. So I think that the spirit, the hope of righteousness and the freedom that Christ has given us to set us free is a gift, right? We can't work hard to obtain it. Mm -hmm. There's probably some people who are thinking, well, yeah, and but you can do stuff. You can do work to open yourself up more to that. True. But even that is grace gift from God to do so we can't we can ask for it we can do 
quote unquote the work, but we have to be really careful <laughs> of who gets credit for that. You know, that's because the moment, and this is what I found in my own life. The moment I start taking credit for my righteousness, it turns into self-righteousness. And I begin to justify myself and close myself off to mercy. And then I begin to look like a Pharisee. I begin to put that onto somebody else, those laws, those ideals onto somebody else. And I say, you're not living up to that. You're not living up to goodness. And I condemn them and myself in the same breath. Because I close myself off to mercy. I close myself off to the understanding that Jesus may not even be calling them to the same level of goodness in that point in their lives as he is me. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. You, you, I saw an idea. You have a thought? No, that, that, was, that, that was good. That, I think that pointed out something that um, it's just making me think right now. It's just we recognize goodness in ourselves i mean hopefully people every once in a while not every once in a while hopefully regularly they see how their own goodness shines forth because that's mm -hmm. the point that god created you as good he looked at you and said you are good yep. and if we don't see that we can become very very disheartened but a lot of times whenever we uh maybe we see that and we're like i'm awesome you know, we, we take that on to our, ourselves as if we ourselves ha are the, the source of our goodness or our awesomeness. And uh, yeah, it it becomes that that sort of idol worship. And um, the moment that we have that sense of like, I am this good, you know, I, I have I'm, I'm very good at this. I'm very good at that. Or I'm I'm. We start telling ourselves we're a bunch of different things, but we're setting ourselves up to be a slave to that expectation. And uh, yeah, you're right. And you said you, you might hold other people to those expectations of greatness. Like people who are very conceited do do that to other people, um, holding themselves, hold, holding the other people up in the light of things that they feel that they've accomplished. Yeah. And uh, whenever say they're hit with reality and realize that they themselves are deeply flawed and aren't always capable of their best, they come crashing down. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. That, that's, that, that became sort of um, a sense of like the law for them. They set an ideal that they were, were, were positive that they could reach. Right. Um, in reality, it was God working in grace in their lives and elevating who they war, were to become you know better in the moment than, of course, falling into that pride and sin takes you further away of from from what god can actually do in your life so looking back you're like wow i'm terrible or you beat yourself up for not being able to do what you can to reach that state of grace of of unity with god right absolutely yeah i think maybe to put it into context as well to give our ourselves a, a bit of a frame of, of reference but also maybe to have hopefully a little enlightenment here as well i've been doing some reflection on this um within my work and I've realized that there's a tendency that we have that I have and I've seen it in other people as well to judge another person because they don't know as much as I do in a particular area and so there's there's a temptation to call them dumb or or foolish or they don't know what they're talking about and they may not talk know what they're talking about in that area or in that subject 
But if they pressured you in some other area, you probably would, the roles would be reversed, right? Like, even if that is important information about their family or important information about, um, I don't even know. I mean, a, a good old classic uh, friction point has always been, like, the city slicker versus the country boy, you know? Like, right? Because, like, the, the person who grew up in the city looks down upon the country person for having maybe not the most refined way of speaking or read the same books. But the country person is going to look at the city boy and say, you can't survive out here. You don't know what to do out here. Who do you, who are you to call me dumb? You know? And like the, like there's a arrogance that's built up on both sides due to their, their knowledge and their areas of expertise. I think the same is true with morality. Like there, there are those of us who have it down pat. Sexual morality is no problem. You know, they understand it. They can articulate it. They have no problem living it and judge others who struggle with it. Right. It's not exactly a great, <laughs> great mentality and vice versa. Those people who maybe struggle with sexual morality, but genuinely care about being kind and not judging other people may judge people for judging them right like for not being kind like the, this is like the examples that like i want us to be aware of as we're reflecting on this like what is this yoke of slavery that we're actually talking about does it exist today it does it absolutely does because we have created it and put it on our shoulders do you have any thoughts on that no that's right we shouldn't distance ourselves too much from the struggles of the early church because we're as stubborn as the israelites um you right oh yeah we definitely are uh you know thankfully christ came around and had his apostles and the early church saints to help formulate and understand exactly what christ was saying who he was and all of these things and that helped us bring us further along but we still struggle with that mentality of wanting to cling to some objective sense of uh, closeness to god or or godliness within ourselves and that's that's the root of evil that jesus wanted to destroy that was one of his biggest criticisms of the pharisees and because uh, because they set themselves physically closer to god than the rest of the world was than the beggar on the street was they weren't even allowed in the same parts of the temple together yep. Yep. and uh yeah jesus jesus referred to himself as the temple for a reason because he knew that the temple that they built that we built to house god was going to fall it's going to collapse and he himself became the temple for us you know nothing made by human hands will stand uh, especially if it's something that we desire to uh, relate to god to even though right. the temple is a beautiful magnificent uh, image of our desire to build a dwelling place worthy of god amidst us amidst our you know us us and the population 
our efforts still failed. Uh, and of course, then there was the, the, the line of kings in Israel that Israel begged God for and God relented, gave them the kings that they desired and all this stuff. They failed soon after David himself failed. But of course, he, he still had a heart for God and, and was after God's heart. Then Solomon, you know, was great in wisdom and stuff. He failed. Then there was Absalom. And then all these other, other uh, individuals in the line of kings failed and failed and failed and failed. And God promised, this is temporary. I'm going to be your king, you know? And he wasn't just our king. He became our temple. You know, the king or the, the king was meant to be that this main way that we interacted with God, the presence of God in the temple. And he was allowed in the Holy of Holies. As well. Right. There was, there was a level of worship that was given to David and Solomon and some of the other kings when they, well, honestly, all the kings. When the scripture talks about how they led Israel away in, in worship towards like false gods right. or reform, right? There is a level of understanding that the king had a measure of authority when it came to worship. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. You know, like whenever they were bringing the ark into the city, uh, David was dancing in front of it. He was leading the procession in worship of God, and that's what the king's job is to do. And uh, and that's what christ became for us he showed us how to worship how to live in the spirit how not to be bound to the law that we ultimately thought we needed um in at the time it was it was the mercy of god to have the law because we were aimless you know like the israelites in the desert they were aimless until they actually learned the heart of god and were led to that promised land um yeah. we too struggle with that we are in a desert right now um in, in the faith and it's we're, we're going to encounter the same things <laughs> israelites did you know we're, god allows us to be disciplined and broken as a church as individuals and as communities for the sake of uh yeah for the sake of discipline and the whole goal is to not hold ourselves to that to the works of the flesh that paul yeah. talked about um but to live in the spirit right i mean who wants to be a slave you know especially especially with our american connotation right. you know like and i think that's as history goes and as slavery has gone in the past the american way about it is probably the most accurate according to how it's like the end goal for for evil for for satan for the enemy right so i don't know my, my main takeaway from this is just the main work of the flesh is to make us slaves to something that is not god you know um people you know considering oneself a slave to christ is to be freer than the freest person on earth mm -hmm. you know because christ himself god himself is freedom to be a slave to freedom is to not be a slave at all really um right there's yeah i think also there's a, a a level of old world like ancient world 
slavery that we need to quickly discuss because that's a very heavy word and especially since i just used it in the american term um do you mean like in terms of like indentured slavery yeah like who you belong to Mm -hmm. is is kind of like who in in the olden days you could very well become a slave to somebody because you owed a debt that's true yeah so and that's actually usually how most slavery happened you know it wasn't it was not slavery due to a difference in race or lifestyle or whatever it was usually either war or a debt mm-hmm. um and both make sense in in light of jesus there was a war that took place sin evil that that was our that was our current king jesus came in with the heavenly armies and destroyed it and defeated it and took us in as his quote-unquote slave so that we could understand who we belong to. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus, because he is not a lord like any other king within the world has ever been, is not one that lords it over us and, you know, abuses that power, but rather sets us free with his love. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're right about that approach to slavery. You're not being so much as like our, our connotations. It's very deeply, deeply held, uh, at least, at least, definitely in the American understanding of the word slavery. But I'm sure I, I think, is, I think so. all within the last 250 years, that's yeah. been its understanding. So that's that's how slavery has been seen. But yeah, and so yeah, as far as like slavery to God, yeah, you're right. That's not about like forced labor. Like he's he's enslaving us to his will, but it's more of we belong to him mm-hmm. and God who is love. It's, it's, it's more of an adoption. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's also the language that scripture uses. We are adopted yes. sons and daughters. Yes. So it's, it's not so much, yeah, that forced labor form of slavery, um, but more of a, a being taken in, you know, under, under the care of, but also in service too, because, you know, living, uh, under the spirit means, uh, having the 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 will of god within us mm-hmm. oh man yeah. a lot more could be said about that but i believe we are <laughs> nearing the end of our usual podcast link i i think so i think so well shall we end with a prayer yeah let's do it all righty come holy spirit Heavenly Father, we thank you for our freedom. We ask you to increase in us that gift. ask you to increase in us the gift of your Holy Spirit that we might no longer strive, that let all striving cease. Father, in our current culture right now, we thank you and we praise you for the end of Roe v. Wade. Lord, we ask you to follow through with that and encourage your church to take care of the women, the business leaders to set in policies that will take care of women and young families in general. Lord, we set up a society that it is scary to be pregnant. It's scary to welcome life. And we ask you for the courage to change it. The courage to love you enough in our neighbor 
so that we can cross political boundaries, sexual identities, all differences, Lord, you, you are all things for us. You are patient with us in our movings and our wanderings. I ask you to increase in us a love for neighbor and a love for ourselves and a love for you. Lord, we trust in you that you are a God of good gifts. So we ask for this. We ask for this gift of peace. We ask this for your glory and for your name's sake. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven.fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under and open heaven dot fire. So please go uh, give those a gander and send us any any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye. <laughs>